0: Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Friends, the grass withers, the flower fades, and the Word of our God stands forever. As we're carrying on in the Gospel of Luke, you remember we've We've gotten a certain feel after this past chapter, at the end of chapter 11, on Jesus' teaching to the Pharisees and those around Him. It's been some kind of tough words coming from Jesus. And this morning as we head into our text here, Jesus, as He gets out of this Pharisee, this dinner, this party, He's with these Pharisees. As He's leaving, a large crowd has gathered uh, thousands upon thousands, multitudes of thousands. We don't really know the number. But enough people are gathering around that as they try to hear Jesus, they're actually trampling upon one another just to hear what Jesus has to say. And he says, the text says that he turns and says specifically to his disciples. He's turning now and not teaching openly to the crowds, though they're able to hear. He's teaching openly, but he's specifically talking to his disciples. Now, this just simply means learner. Um, we're going to see later on in places in the Gospels where disciples turn away from Jesus. Those who who had been learning from him decide Jesus has finally gone too far and they walk away. So this is a group of learners. It, it would include the 12, the 11 who are authentic believers in Jesus Christ, but it would also include those who are just interested in Jesus and trying to learn more about him. Maybe those who are yet to be converted but will be converted and likely includes a lot of people who are interested in Jesus but will end up rejecting him and walking away. The, he, he turns to these disciples and, and moves forward with this teaching. And he, and this warn it's a warning passage this morning. So you just kind of know one of the goals of expository preaching Not only is that we just go through the text, but that the the theme of the text or the ethos, the atmosphere, the the feeling of the text is the feeling of the sermon. So there's a warning coming in our text this morning from Jesus to his disciples. And the warning is simply this, right? We can see it in verse 1, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Jesus warns his disciples of hypocrisy. Acting in our culture is is a highly respected trade nowadays. We have huge award shows and we have celebrity culture that is all centered around the popularity of those who can act and those who can act well. Um, We are, some of our biggest celebrities are people who are really only good at one thing and that's pretending. They're, they're good at playing roles. They don't necessarily have any other great qualities about them. In fact, they might be horrible people. But if, if they can get on stage or get in front of a camera and put on a good show, if they can act a good part, we love it. We, we love those who are able to act. When someone can take on a role in such a convincing way that you, you forget who they are and they become like a certain character. There are certain actors that I'm sure you all know uh, who can just so embody a part that you get done with a movie and you're like, that was whoever? I, I can't. They sold that part so well, they were such a good actor, I didn't even know it was them. And if you ever been in a situation, they do parties like this sometimes, but where you meet someone and and, then, and they, they, they put on a front, or if you ever go to uh, like Colonial Williamsburg or places like that or theme parks where they have... Actors playing a role, playing historical figures, and they just stay in character the whole time. And you walk away and you're like, I can't, that, that wasn't the person. They're playing a role, but they did it so well that you're, you're impressed by people who can act well. But you know, one area that um, being an actor is never a good thing, and it's in religion. <laughs> it, we may we think actors are great, but when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to religion, being an actor is terrible, is one of the worst things you want to be. No one would rejoice upon hearing a religious sermon or going to a religious service and find out that the people up front were just being paid to put on a show. And it had convinced you and you were caught up in the, in the moment and you felt, you, know, you felt the presence of God or whatever you might say, whatever language you might use, it was really powerful. And then you get done and you find out, well, those were all just paid actor. There's nothing more disgusting than someone who is acting in religion. Someone who is just playing a part. There's nothing more distasteful for someone who only acts the part in religion. And Jesus says that acting in religion, that's what hypocrisy is. It is putting on a front for others to see that is not the real thing. It's having opinions and positions about certain things that you don't really believe. And oftentimes hypocrisy is is just seen in, what you, in the contrast between what you say and then what you do. You might say this sort of behavior is wrong, and then you go out and partake in the very same behavior. Or you might think it's wrong to gossip and admonish others for gossiping, and then call your friend up and say how terrible it is that you caught this person gossiping. That's hypocrisy, right? That's, that's playing a role. It's saying, I'm, I'm upright, and I think gossip is terrible, and then... Being a gossip it 's playing a part you 're pretending to hate gossip when really you love it because it 's what you do there 's nothing more distasteful in religion than someone who is just acting. What he means is that he, he warns this and what he, he calls this the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And what he means is that this is a quality that once you introduce it, once you allow it to work into a corner of your life, it doesn't stay in that corner. It begins to work itself into every area. That's what leaven does, right? Later on, other times Jesus uses this analogy of leaven as the kingdom of God, that a little bit and it just spreads. You know, when you put leaven or yeast in a, in a, in a dough, in a dough ball or whatever, and you're making bread, you don't end up with like, a risen piece here and a risen piece here and the backside, and the rest of it's all flat, It, it, it leavens the whole loaf. A little bit works into all of it. And so Jesus is warning against hypocrisy, calling it leaven, because once you give a place, once you become okay with being a hypocrite on this front, it begins to just work its way into all these other areas of your life. So you think, well, yeah, I'm a hypocrite in the area of gossip. But boy, in all these other areas, I'm not a hypocrite. Well, before long, you think, you know, I'll add to this area, I'll add to being a hypocrite when it comes to gossip, being a hypocrite over this thing and the next thing. And it just begins to invade into your life. So Jesus warns them against the leaven of the Pharisees' hypocrisy. Jesus warns against it, and then he gives reasons why. And really, the reasons are kind of plain. He, in verses 2 and 3 gives three reasons he says that it's going to get found out. Time and truth go hand in hand. the way John MacArthur says it. He says time and truth go hand in hand. The longer time goes on, the truth begins to get revealed. And Jesus says nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. Everything that you cover up now will be revealed. Now, you may think, well, Darren, I know lots of hypocrites that never get revealed except to just those who really know them. No. One day, everything that is covered up will be revealed. You cannot remain covered up forever. One day at the judgment, if at nowhere else, everything will be revealed. Nothing that is hidden that will not be known. Whatever you have said in the dark, you think things are covered up and they're in the dark, one day they will be brought to light. Maybe not in this life, but one day they will be brought to the light. And the things that you whisper in a secret room, what what he's talking about there is, you know, they used to, the way the houses were then was just basically a mud hut. And so you, what you would do to protect your valuables, you, didn't, you, want, you built a room inside of the room. And so like when your kids were asleep out on the porch and you wanted to talk about how you're going to discipline them tomorrow, but you didn't want them to hear about it, you went and had a conversation in the inner room so that the kids couldn't hear it. There was like this private room within the room where you, where you had your important conversations. And Jesus is saying the day is coming where even the conversations you whisper in the secret room They're going to be shouted from the rooftops. That's where the announcements were made. When uh, you had a new grandbaby, or Patty's sitting somewhere around there, she is. (laughs) What you would do is you'd go on the rooftop and you'd shout the news. Hey, that's what that was. That was your megaphone. Was the rooftops. And so Jesus says, these things that you conversations you have and whispered in the secret rooms, one day they're going to be shouted from the rooftop. Hypocrisy will one acting will one day come. To end things that you have whispered in secret rooms will one day be shouted from the rooftops. And whether this is in this life or at the dawning of the next life, you will not be able to remain a hypocrite forever. Those, that's a sobering reality that Jesus brings up. So we have to ask: since Jesus is talking to his disciples, are we hypocrites? Are there areas of our lives that we are hypocritical? And I wanted to caution you not to answer to. Quickly, consider your life. This metaphor is beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is only dangerous when you actually let it come into you. It isn't like watch out for those dogs who are out there running around. It's this insidious little thing that you just take a little bit of it into yourself and it begins to poison everything. And so there's a rebuke against the disciples or this challenge or this concern with the disciples to watch every area to be concerned about their own... It's a challenge to search yourself. Are there areas of my life where I do tend towards hypocrisy? Does who you are line up with who you say you are? Does who you are line up with who you say you are? Do you put on a front? Do you put out a public persona that doesn't really line up with who you really are? Do you, you do what you do in an an effort to be noticed by others. A sure sign of hypocrisy is when you do a good deed or when you have some sort of behavior, you do it because you hope someone sees you doing it. That is a desire not to actually do good, but it is a desire to receive praise. It is a desire to put on an act. Our social media age just has put hypocrisy in, in overdrive. Where you can do everything just to put on a front. You can do every I'm going to put out my best self so that everyone will applaud it and think I'm great, but it's really not the real you. Because you're sitting at home in pajamas uh, eating a bowl of ice cream and posting a picture about my wonderful evening with my family when it's not the, the reality is totally totally disconnected. That, that's what social media has done for our generation. We build up false personas, we perpetuate them and It's almost unavoidable for social media, things like that, to create hypocrites. Do you ever do something and just hope, like, I'll I'll reveal a little of myself that this, the hypocrite that lives inside of of me sometimes, that you do something and you get home and you think, I wonder if they'll post on Facebook about how nice I was to them. (laughs) And then would that get me, because the thing is, you've had things like that happen where you've done something nice for somebody maybe and they said, "Hey, this was great. Thanks for doing that." And then it gets likes and that's like that's like a drug. You're like, "Oh, yeah, I want some more of that." And then you find yourself going out and doing good things and you're like, "Wait a second. Did I do that just to receive as an just to receive accolades and praise that is the leaven of hypocrisy working into your life that you're doing things for a front you're doing things for what it it gets you in an affirmation from people are you harsh another way of hypocrisy comes into us when you're harsh in your criticism of others but very lenient with yourself you know you see somebody they 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 you know they're mean or they they lash out or they have in the actions that aren't good and aren't righteous and aren't noble and you think there is no way they should act that way. And then after you get home from work one night and you've had a bad day at work and somebody calls you up and you're grumpy and nasty to them and they say you should act that way, you say, well, listen, I had a bad day at work. I, was, I didn't sleep good last night. Um, you know, I had this thought going through my head. You don't know anything about my life. And all of a sudden you're building this case, this inner lawyer of defending yourself I get to act this way because, well, X, Y, and Z, but this person, they should not act this way. That's hypocrisy. Judging others by a different standard than you judge yourself. So hypocrisy runs through and through. Why, though? Why? Why in the world do we bother with hypocrisy? Why, put, why do we put up these fronts? Why do we put out this act? Why do this act? Why do we tend towards all of these things in hypocrisy? And why would anyone put up a front about who they are? And there seems to be one real big reason why we do this. And it's this what Jesus goes into next in his text. We put on a front because we love the praise of men. Or to put it another way, we put on a front because we are afraid of of the scorn of men. We're, we fear those around us. We put on a front, we act, because we are afraid of people really knowing us, what they would say. We're afraid of the scorn of men. If, people, if I was really who I was, how would they think of me? What would they think of me? And so we put up a front, we take a stance of hypocrisy, because if we are afraid that if we put out there who we really are, we'll be rejected. We'll be looked down upon. And we can't stand the thought of unveiling who we really are. So we put up a false front so others won't reject us and they will accept us. The the reality is we fear humans, other men, more than we fear God. We would rather put up a front to receive your praise and pretend before God and and have that pretend be known to God than to be honest before men so that they could be then honest. Honest before God. He presses, he asks those who are afraid of men. Look on in in chapter 12 in your your text. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. This is exactly where he goes with this hypocrisy. It's this fear of what others will do. Do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more than they can do. He presses on his listeners. There's no reason to fear any men. And, And why does he say that? Why is there no reason to fear men? The worst they can do to you is kill you. Which is not when we hear that we think. Wait a second! Um, I think you missed something there. The worst they can do is kill me. Yeah, that's pretty bad, right? I mean, that's Jesus is saying. Do not, don't fear those who can only kill the body. It's like, wait a second. Um, That's a pretty big deal. But Jesus is saying, no, I'll warn you whom to fear. Fear the one whom, after he has killed, has the authority to cast in hell. And who he's talking about there is God. Satan doesn't cast anybody into hell. God is the God of hell. He is the one who's in charge of everything. And he is the one whom you should fear because he has the authority to give life and to take it away and to give eternal life and to cast into hell. He's the one that you should fear. And what happens in hypocrisy is you lower God down and you elevate man. And you say, it doesn't matter if God doesn't like that I'm pretending as long as everybody else around here likes it. That's hypocrisy. And God hates it. That is the leaven of the Pharisees. Those who can do nothing worse to you than kill you have nothing on the God who sees everything and not only can take life, but can cast into hell. Serious. pretty serious stuff. That's why I say the ethos of the passage, the atmosphere, the feeling of the passage, is the feeling that we should have. So Jesus then offers three remedies. We kind of covered one of them. Three antidotes to hypocrisy. And the first one is, get your priorities right. Fear God, not men. Fear God, not men. This is found in verses 4 and 5, that we warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. If you want to fight hypocrisy, learn to fear God. Who are you before him? That's what matters. Are you before him a, a liar and a pretender and an actor? And before everyone else, you're a righteous and wonderful person, but God sees the truth. You should be more afraid of your stance before Him than you are that everyone might know who you really are. The first antidote to hypocrisy is to learn to fear God. God, Psalm 96 tells us, He is not like all the idols of the peoples, which are worthless idols. Our God is not like the gods of the peoples. They're worthless idols. The Lord made the heavens. He's in charge of everything. Don't fear man. Fear God. That's the first antidote to hypocrisy. It's not that God will find you out someday. He knows you already. Don't, don't worry. I mean, when Jesus says this, you know, someday it's going to be shouted from the rooftops, what you've said in the room, is what's been hidden is going to reveal it. Listen, folks, God knows it. God knows it. He's not going to learn it about you. He knows it. And an antidote to hypocrisy is to learn to fear God. Just because He has allowed your hypocrisy up until now does not mean He's okay with it. Second antidote to hypocrisy. First is to fear God. The second one is to acknowledge Christ. And this is in verses 8 and 9. I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. The thrust of this statement is that we acknowledge our faith in Christ no matter who we are brought before hypocrites acknowledge whoever they think is going to benefit them the most however it's like a, it's like the person who if you're tr- you're going into a blue state or a red state and you go into the coffee shop and they say, you know are you a republican or a democrat i don't know which are you <laughs> let me let me find out who you are first before i say who i am all right and it's kind of, i'm going to i'm going to acknowledge the group that i think is going to be most beneficial for me you walk into chicago you know uh, are you a Cubs fan or a White Sox fan? I don't know. Let me look around the bar. This is this a Cubs or a White Sox bar? You know, that, in this, you're acknowledging whoever's be most beneficial for you. That's hypocrisy. When it comes to acknowledging Jesus Christ, it isn't, well, if it's going to, do you like Jesus? Then I do. Or do you not like Jesus? Then I don't know him. It's, it's acknowledging Jesus Christ before men, no matter the ends that it might result in. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, which is choosing the path that's going to find you the most favor with men instead of finding favor with God. Um, one thing just in passing in this, because some people read this and they think, oh no, I have there's been times and I've been quiet about Jesus, and maybe I'm in this is you know I'm in trouble. Think on this is a warning passion passage. Take it seriously, but don't forget men like Peter. Denied Christ three times and finds forgiveness. Finds forgiveness, confesses Christ, acknowledges Christ. It's not too late to return and to confess and acknowledge Christ, which is different than the third antidote, which is listen to the Holy Spirit. Fear God, acknowledge Christ. And then we have this interesting thing about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Verses 10 and 12 say, Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you. The Holy Spirit is saying something. It's it's leading, it's guiding, it's speaking. And one of the antidotes to hypocrisy is to listen to what the Spirit is saying. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. I read this in a commentary this week from Leon Morris, because some people are concerned, uh, again, with the... Confessing, acknowledging Jesus Christ, maybe I've committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. How do I know? Have I gone too far? Well, Leon Morris says this the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is so serious because it concerns the whole person, not a few words spoken on any one occasion. It isn't like, oh, you've done it, now you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit, it's over. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is this life position of, I am not going to listen to the move of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to listen to what God has to say. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to walk in persistent opposition to Him. And there are many ways that a person can do this, but one of the clearest ways that you blaspheme the Holy Spirit is when you become someone who never repents. Never open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that maybe I am in sin and maybe I should repent. I'm resisting the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy in the Holy Spirit is continuously rejecting the leading of the Holy Spirit. John 16.8 says that the Holy Spirit when He comes He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Fearing God, acknowledging Christ, listening to the Holy Spirit. Now, these are the antidotes that Jesus brings up on how we are to fight hypocrisy. But I, just, I have to pause and move along. Um, a danger that always comes in a text like this is that all we do is we build new laws. All we do, okay, okay, Darren, don't fight hypocrisy. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fear God and I'm going to acknowledge Christ and I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Okay, check. And then we're going to walk out the door. What are you going to find yourself? A hypocrite. <laughs> So we just have defeated the whole purpose. There's no motor. There's no motive. Law, 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 with no gospel, just crushes, just ruins. And so there has to be some motive, some, some heart. What, is, what we need is not just rules and regulations, but light and illumination. Not just rules and regulations, but light and illumination. Because the reality is that getting out of hypocrisy is going to cost you. If you lived your life as a hypocrite, putting up fronts and pretending you're someone that you're not, getting out of hypocrisy is going to cost you. Taking down the pretend self will cost you all of the benefits that pretending did achieve for you. And not only that, but in certain contexts, stopping the pretending will not only cause you to lose benefits, but may actually add griefs. Jesus is talking to them. They might lose their lives by by refusing to put on a face. For these ten disciples, it does cost them their life. Refusing to play at games with religion. So with results like that, why in the world would we stop hypocrisy? <laughs> I mean, if it's, if it's going to not help me and only harm me, why in the world would we stop hypocrisy? Why would we stop pretending? And the reason why, the motive, the heart behind this, is because it denies, hypocrisy denies and ignores what is of greatest value, that the true you be truly Christ's. That the true you, who you really are, be known and be truly Christ. If you hide the true you from God, but you can't really, but we think we can. If you hide the true you from God, from the world, and don't lay out who you really are, you don't know true forgiveness. You don't know true forgiveness, and you won't truly know His love. So motivation one, just two motivations. Motivation one. For you to flee hypocrisy, stop acting to fear God, acknowledge Christ, listen to the Holy Spirit... Motivation one is that you would know the true joy that there is in Christ. The hypocrite denies that Christ says he came to save sinners. (laughs) Why put up a mask and pretend you are not a sinner when those are the ones Jesus came to save? Jesus came to save sinners. So why, when you put up a front and pretend and play, play the game and are a hypocrite, you're denying yourself the joy that there is in Jesus that he came to save you out of this sin that you're pretending you don't have. You miss out the joy of the gospel. People that are put on a face and pretend they think that Christ came to save half sinners or save sinners who are, are they're kind of they're mostly good but they got a few problems. No. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul writes, says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost, the Apostle Paul says. Flee hypocrisy and run to Christ so that you can know true forgiveness. The gospel can truly minister to who you are, to the sins that really do exist in the secret places of your heart. The ugliness that is who you are on the inside. The depravity that plagues you. You lay it out and you flee hypocrisy and you give up for the pretending things that the hypocrisy gets you. You give them up because it's how you find the true joy that is found only in Christ. The gospel is good news for sinners, not for those who pretend to not be. Gospel is good news for sinners. Motivation to, for you to flee hypocrisy. Stop acting fear God, acknowledge Christ, listen to the Holy Spirit, is so that you would know this true God. Not only the true you would be known, but that the true you would be known by the true God. And who is this God? When you play a role, when we put on our masks, when we are the hypocrite, when we play, when we act things out, we show that we think we know how to run the world better than God does. When you put on a front, you think, The best thing in this situation, I'm going to outsmart God. I can't be me here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pretend to be somebody else to get what I want because I know what's best for me. I know what I need and what I need in this moment is to pretend to be somebody else so it gets me the thing that I want so that my life can be the way that I want it to be. You are playing God. (laughs) when you take up hypocrisy. You think you know better what you need than God does. You're playing a role because you think you know how to run the world better than God does. You think life is a chess game. i got to move these pieces here and somehow work around all these angles and pretend and, and falsify and embellish here and there so that I can get the things that I want, so that I can get to where I want to get to. What it says is that you don't know the true God. You don't know the true God. The God who runs the world and seeks to bring you back into right standing with Him. The true God misses out on nothing. You don't have to play a role to get yours. If you are God's, if you are Christ, God knows exactly what you need. So we skipped over them, but right here in our text, who is God? He says this, are not five sparrows, verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Motivation to to not be a hypocrite. God knows what you need. God knows you. God not only knows you in some esoteric way, He knows the hairs on your head. He knows you intimately. He knows exactly what you need. Hypocrisy is saying God doesn't know what I need. God doesn't know me. I can't be who I really am. God, I don't know that He's in charge. So I'm going to play the angle and get, get it my way. And you motivate to, to get off of that, to leave that behind, to repent because you trust that the true God values you more than sparrows. He watches over every hop of the sparrow, but He watches over you even more so, knows the hairs that are on your head. You are of far more value than sparrows. He will not forget you. You don't have to play. He'll not forget you. But in fact, He will only forget you. He doesn't forget a single hair That is on your head. This isn't just general big picture care. This is down to every detail care. So, how does this motivate us to flee hypocrisy and to stop pretending? Because the God who knows everything and everything about you cares for you, knows exactly what you need. You have no reason to pretend. You would only do so if if you are His, if you are His son or His daughter through the work of Christ. You have no reason to fear. You have no reason to pretend. You would only do so in an attempt attempt to achieve something that you think you need when the reality is your Father in heaven will not deny you what is for your absolute best. He will work all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Romans 8.28 Hypocrisy says, I can't trust God. I've got to to trust my acting abilities. We flee from that and we fear God and we trust Him because as a loving Father, He knows what we need. We can be our true self. Repent before Him. Fear God. Acknowledge Christ. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Repent and trust Him. Trust Him that He will do what is right. Let's pray. Father, help us in this place this morning to trust You, to fear You, such a beautiful reality of the need to fear you and then having feared you to not need to fear anymore because you have become our father through the work of Jesus Christ and faith in what he has done, repenting of our sins. God, do that work in our hearts. Help us see the hypocrisy that plagues our own lives, that we would mortify it, that we would flee it, that we would kill it, and that we would live in fear of you, glorifying you,